Let us take a moment to pray before we think about God's Word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be true and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I wonder what some of your favorite Christmas memories are. I wonder if you cast your mind back over the years, what comes to mind? I remember decorating the Christmas tree and putting up the decorations with mom and dad at home, as well as cold deliveries with the scout post of Christmas cards, and I think hiding behind the sofa trying to steal the chocolates off the Christmas tree uh, with one of my younger sisters when we stayed in one of our family homes. And at home, feel free to put in the live chat some of your own favorite Christmas memories. In our Advent series so far, we've seen in the genealogy of Jesus that God welcomes us into his family. He welcomes one and all, indeed all the nations, for none are written off. And no matter our brokenness or personal story, the welcome of God is extended to each of us. And when we accept that welcome, when we choose to repent and find our identity in Jesus, then a journey begins, a journey whereby God rewrites our future and weaves our story into his far greater story. And as part of that, he sends us out with the good news of Jesus. But Matthew's genealogy is not the only genealogy within the New Testament for Jesus. In fact, the Gospel of Luke contains one as well. And if you compare the two side by side, there are very significant differences because they each miss out names that the other writer includes. And the issue is even further complicated in Matthew's Gospel in that there are three sets of 14 generations and there's no way that accounts for the length of time inferred here. So what's going on? Is Matthew getting forgetful? Is he glossing over gaps in his memory? Well, those are not new questions. People have asked them over generations, and commentators have helped us realize two things that are worth bearing in mind here. Firstly, when we read Jacob was the father of Joseph, we take it very literally in a biological and genetic kind of way, which creates a problem when you then read and look that Joseph was the son of Heli. So is Joseph Jacob or Heli's son? I won't ask you to put up your hand to make a choice. The answer is both. Because in the Greek language that the New Testament was written, the phrase the father of there in Matthew can mean the ancestor of. And it was a phrase used of relationships that were not genetic, such as between a rabbi and his disciple. But something else is also going on here. For what Matthew is recording is the line of succession to the royal throne, the official genealogy. This would not necessarily pass from father to son, but would stay within the family. And Matthew then is helping us see the legal claim of Jesus to the throne, 
whereas Luke records the physical descent down to Jesus. So neither Matthew or Luke are having memory problems. Indeed, the individuals listed in verses 12 to 16 are people that we largely know next to nothing about. There are no records really of them within the scriptures as we find with those in the earlier verses up to the exile. Yet we know that certain cultures of the time and particularly the Jews were fastidious in keeping personal records, family records. And so that is what Matthew and Luke are drawing upon here to fill in the gaps so that a record, a memory of the genealogy of Jesus might be known and never lost. We started this series with the aim of learning more about the identity of Jesus and more about our own identity as people who follow Jesus and so are in Christ. So how does what I've just said aid us in this? What do we learn here in this portion of the genealogy about the identity of Jesus and of ourselves? Well, I think our portion of Scripture today is a call to remember. To remember that God has revealed himself in history. That the Christian faith is a historical faith rooted in real people and real acts of God within history. The Apostle Paul would write to the church in Colossae and say, The Son is the image of the invisible God, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Jesus is more than a good teacher or an above-average human being. He's even more than simply a legal descendant of Abraham and David. Jesus is, in fact, God in the flesh. And such a claim is no mere thing, because the claim of Scripture, the claim of the Christian faith, is that Jesus is then unique, and so uniquely qualified to fulfill those promises given to David and Abraham, because Jesus is God in the flesh. God stepping into history as a human being. And we are called to remember this. And in our remembering, to trust. Because in our day of fake news and relative truth, as well as amidst all the struggles of life, there is so much which can undermine our trust in Jesus. There is so much which can undermine the uniqueness of Jesus and make him seem like a myth or just a wishful thought. But we are to remember, to remember that the God of all creation came in human form in the person of Jesus and stepped into history that we might know him and trust him both in this life and for the life to come. I wonder, friends, do you need to remember this today? Is your faith wavering? Has it been undermined by this past year? Or are you facing a, a future or a decision? And in the midst of facing it, do you need to remember this truth, the reality that God stepped into history through Jesus, so that you could have a relationship with God today 
and forever. Maybe God is calling you to remember, to remember what he has done in Jesus concretely and so as to trust him now for your tomorrow. There's also something else we can take away from this portion of the genealogy. Not only are we to remember, but God remembers as well. In our passage today, there is, as I said, individuals that we know next to nothing about. Most of these individuals, they've been largely forgotten, lost in the sands of time. But they are remembered by God. He chose to have these names written down in the Scriptures. These people are not unfamiliar to Him. They are not overlooked by Him. Instead, they are known. They are seen. They are remembered. And that's something which comes across in other parts of the genealogy because as we saw in earlier weeks, within the family line of Jesus are a number of people who were foreigners and a number of women as well. The women's names are Rahab, Tamar, Ruth, and Bathsheba, and then later Mary. And it's very unusual to see the names of women listed in a genealogy from this period of history. It would have been startling to the people of the day. For in both Greek and Jewish culture, a woman had no legal claims, no legal rights, and yet this is a legal record. What is more, women were often seen as little more than a thing rather than a person. And a Jewish man would thank God each day that he was not created a slave, a Gentile, or a woman. And yet in the genealogy of Jesus, four women are named. Because God sees, God knows, he remembers. I wonder if you need to hear this today. That he sees you. He knows you intimately. And he has not, and he will never forget you. In all you are facing, he has not taken his eye off you, and you have not slipped his mind. And what if you or a loved one are affected by one of the many conditions that affect memory, either your memory or theirs? What does it mean that God remembers? Well, in the midst of changes and losses which are so painful, and when it seems that our or their sense of self, their identity is literally vanishing before our eyes, to know that God remembers is to know that He holds the memory of our true self in him, secure. And so we will never, ever be forgotten. And one day, one day, our true selves will be restored. Brothers and sisters, God sees you. He knows you. And he will always, always remember you. 
in the midst of whatever you are facing, you are not forgotten. For you and all this world are so dear to him that he came as a babe at Christmas, entering into history, that we might know his welcome into his family, the family of Jesus. I pray that this Advent season will not only be a time to remember our own fond occasions at Christmas, but to remember God and his welcome shown in Jesus, in whom we are called to place our trust, for he is God in the flesh, and he sees you, he remembers you, and he loves you. May it be so. Amen.